church. We're going to be reading out of Luke 11 this morning. And if there's kids who want to go to Sunday school, the Sunday school is starting, so they're dismissed as well. It's going to be in Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is shut. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and get I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will the Heavenly Father give him the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let's pray. God, we just thank you for your word, Lord, and we just thank you for the truths that are are there in your word and the many things that you want to teach us through your word, Lord. And as we look at at prayer and giving and and your heart in that this morning, God, we just pray that you would speak to us, Lord, teach us, and uh, just anoint Pastor Jackie's words, Lord, that we would would be more like he was with you this place today, God. we just again thank you for your word, and uh, we put all of our hope and trust in you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we uh, come together this morning to check out a, a pretty familiar section of scripture, right? We often call it what? The Lord's Prayer, which is probably a misnomer, right? Because who's asking for it? Disciples, Disciples, right? Disciples are saying, Lord, teach us to pray. Really, we want to go to the Lord's Prayer. We want to go to John chapter 17, where we see the high priestly prayer of Christ as he's headed to the cross, and he's remembering those, and he gives us a great example of prayer there. But here we have something else going on. Now, remember, we've talked about this idea. When we go through the Gospels, right, we all can understand that The Gospels are going to tell us a lot of similar things, but they're not going to tell it to us always the same way. Why? Because the writer has a purpose behind telling us the story. He's trying to bring out certain aspects, right? So he wants us to see his point of view. Luke has a reason why he shares the Lord's Prayer like this. Matthew had a reason for sharing the Lord's Prayer the way he did. No mistakes, no issues, just simply... A gospel writer saying, I have a point. I'm making my point. I want you to see the point that I'm making. I want you to understand the leading of the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit has led me to share this with you. So one of the things that we're going to look at is the pattern of prayer 
What does a pattern of prayer look like? What is it supposed to be? What do we say? Then he tells us a parable about prayer. And that parable is all about an exhortation. How, how are we supposed to say it? And then finally he's going to give us a promise. And the promise that he lays out for us is our encouragement for why. Why do we pray? These are all things we ask ourselves all the time, often as we consider the subject of prayer. Begins in verse 1 by telling us this. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. <clears throat> Jesus consistently throughout all four Gospels, was always drawing himself away to a private place, to a quiet place for prayer. He began every morning that way. He would withdraw to a quiet place. Oftentimes, we'll see the stories pick up as he returns from prayer or as he's on his way to prayer. So, when we look at Scripture and we see that Jesus Christ had a unique relationship with God, right? Can we all see that? Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. I-X-O-Y-E, right? You guys, the Greek letters in the fish? You ever wonder what that was about? Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. The idea that we have this relationship. Now, when we talk about church, we talk about a relationship with the Lord, right? So we're saying, hey... We're not talking about a religion. We're not talking about a list of do's and don'ts. We're talking about a relationship. And a relationship is something that you pursue. No? If we have a relationship right now, if we're sitting next to somebody we care about, somebody we love, if we have a relationship, then we have pursued that relationship. It did not fall out of the sky in our lap. It requires us to pursue it. And what we see in the life of Christ is such a great example of what relationship looks like. What did Jesus do in the morning? He pursued His relationship with His Father. Now admittedly, His relationship with the Father is light years beyond ours. Okay? I'll acknowledge that. But the model is the same. What's the model? What is He telling us? What is He showing us? Relationship is about pursuit. Last time, you remember, I shared with you out of Hosea chapter 6. I love the book of Hosea. Uh, Hosea chapter 6, 4 through 6, roughly, it's in, it's in that area, where the Lord is saying to the kingdom, He's saying, listen, what do I, what do I have to do with you, Ephraim? What, what do I have to do with you, Judah? They're divided kingdoms. They're separated. They're not together. God's judgment is, is coming. They're living in a, a life of rebellion. They've made up their own mind that they know better what God should be doing. I'm sure we haven't done that. But that's where they were at. And God says, listen, let me tell you guys what I'm looking for. I want your faithful love. I want you to be faithful to me. The book of Hosea, you guys remember the book, right? The story of a prophet that God says to marry a prostitute, right? It's a, the whole book is about faithfulness, what faithfulness looks like, how far God's willing to go to reach us, how willing He is to be faithful to us. And His call to you and I is, I want faithful love, that's one, two, and I want the knowledge of God. I want you to know me. Now how do we know Him, and how are we faithful to God? Those are questions that we have to ask ourselves. How do we know Him? How are we faithful to God? Well, there's a lot of discipline within the Christian life, but one of those disciplines is prayer. 
Now, take the picture, the religious picture out of your mind, and let's back up a little bit. And let me ask you, when's the last time you talked to your friend? Once I, I know today mostly we text. You should probably stop that. Oh, which reminds me, my phone blew up a couple days ago. So if you've called me in the last couple days, I didn't get it. And I'm thinking I'm not going to get a phone before Tuesday, probably. So don't be too... If I get one at all, because it's kind of been nice. Except I can't tell what time it is. I use it as my watch and it won't turn on anymore. But the reality is when we pursue a relationship with somebody, we talk to them, right? Okay, that's prayer. Talking to God. Knowing Him. What do we do? How do we get to know somebody? We know somebody by doing what? We spend time with them. Well, God is, is beyond our ability to... To, to be with in a, in a typical sense that we would understand a friend. So how are we able to be with God right now? Well, sitting in our laps is His Word to us. God's love letter written throughout time, delivered to you and I, 66 uh, different books, 40 different authors laid out before us to tell us about God. You want to know God? It's right there. God said, this is what I'm looking for. Faithful love and the knowledge of me. And then we have Jesus, this example, right, in the Gospels, who every morning is going away to a quiet place, so he's not distracted. So he's not, he's not praying in front of the TV, right? He's not got Facebook open, praying while he works his way through Facebook. Instead, what's he done? He's gone to a quiet place where he can focus on just spending some quiet time with his Father. If he needed that, how much more do we? So when the disciples are watching this pattern, right, aren't they? Don't they watch Him day by day by day going through this pattern? So they're watching Him and so they come to Him and say, Man, we want that. We, we want to be able to experience what you're experiencing. We want to have that. We want to be able to have that connection. So teach us how to do it. Teach us to pray. And that's what He's telling us in verse 1. One of His disciples said, Teach us. Just like John taught his disciples. Remember John? Wild man, wooly beard, long hair, eating locusts and honey. I don't know if I'm down with the locusts and honey part. The beard I'm cool with. I'm cooler with the long hair, but not so many other people are. But the idea is, John the Baptist, what did he do? What is implied in this text? That he prayed. No? That he prayed? And he taught his disciples to pray. So implied in the text, hey, John taught his disciples, Lord, will you show us? Teach us how to pray. So get in mind, instead of letting your mind warp over, why is Luke different than Matthew? Say, Luke, what are you trying to show me? What do you want me to see? I want you to know Jesus taught about prayer over and over and over and over. And sometimes he had one emphasis and sometimes he had another emphasis. And we're given the part that Matthew wanted to share and we're given the part that Luke wants to share. What is he showing us? What does he want us to grasp from the text when we come to it? That's what we want to be asking ourselves. And we want to realize, what's the context that we're in? What just happened? Mary and Martha, you guys remember? Mary and Martha, Mary chose the better way, right? She sat down, Jesus came to visit, and she wanted to spend time where? With Him, right? Time for preparation is over. Admittedly, there's things that we all have to do. We do the things we have to do. But when there's time to spend with Jesus, what are we going to do? 
That's the question that's being asked. Now they're saying, see how it's in the same context. Now they're saying, Lord, teach us to pray. What does it look like for us to, to pursue this relationship with God? How does it look? How do we, how do we tangibly do it? So he tells them in, in verse 2, let's take a look. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Let's take a look just briefly at the, at the pattern. What's the pattern for prayer that God's laying out? He wants us to recognize in the beginning who God is and what his position is. Who God, he wants us to know right out the gate. The most important part about who God is, is the first word. What is it? Father. Luke wants us to recognize, Jesus wants the disciples to understand, the first thing I want you to know is He's our Father. That's how Matthew says it, right? Our Father. We're going to see all the pronouns in a moment are plural, which uh, may have something else to add to us. But here, Father. We want to focus. He's Father. What is Who is God? He's my Father. Now, what does that mean for us? Not necessarily that He's our progenitor, but what is He telling us? He's saying, the position that you want to see God in is as Father. That's the role. That's the position. And that's not something new. Guys, that's not some concept that is that has not been understood before now. In fact, Jesus said just a chapter earlier, right, that the Son would show the Father to us. John says the same kind of thing. In Luke 10, 22, this is what he says, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son. And what's the next phrase? And to anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. So the Son right now is choosing to reveal God as Father to the disciples, right? Hey, start like this. Father. The concept is talked about in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 32.6 says, Do not thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people. Is not He your Father? Was it a new idea? Is not He your Father? Who made you? And establish you in Isaiah 63, 16. Speaking again of the Lord, it says, For you are our Father through Abraham. Or though Abraham does not know us and Israel does not acknowledge us, you, O Lord, are our Father, our Redeemer from of old is your name. So the nation of Israel, <coughs> this concept was not foreign to them. You are our Father. You are our Redeemer. This was part of the relationship. Who is God? The problem is we all get a distorted picture of who God is. And maybe that distorted picture is due in part to our own earthly relationship with our Father. So stop worrying about that. Stop worrying about your earthly relationship as a Father and think about what a Father is supposed to be. That's the Father God is. He's the Father that is supposed to be. We are His adopted children. What does that mean? You are His chosen. An adopted child is a child you picked, right? You know, my kids, I just got. They came. I didn't pick them. 
They came. The, the story of the, the reason why adopted is special is because it shows that idea. They, the God of the universe has crossed the, the eons of space between us and Him and chose you to adopt you. Paul would later on write about this spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Right? Abba, Father. Dad. Dad, our Father. Our Father. Man, we want to recognize, we want to see who God is. What is His position? The next thing that we see, He says, Our Father, hallowed be Your name, or sanctified be Your name, or set apart, honored be Your name. The idea is that there's something special about God's name. There's something special about it. By the way, God's name is not God. There's something special about God's name. Yahweh. Yehoshua. God is the becoming one. He's everything I need. He's my salvation, my redeemer, my father. All wrapped up. In this name. Hallowed be your name. Man, we want to sanctify your name. We want to set your name apart. God, we want to honor your name. Why should his name be sanctified? Because his people have profaned it. Why should his name be hallowed? Hallowed. Why should it be sanctified? Because it has been profaned. Ezekiel 36 Talks to us about this. Look at it. Ezekiel 36 verse 20. But when they came to the nations. Okay. Nations. Gentiles. The goyim. That's the word. Goyim. It's everything that's not Israel. When they came to the nations. Wherever they came. They profaned my holy name. This is God speaking. How did they profane his name? Look what he says. In that people said of them. These are the people of the Lord, yet they had to go out of the land. God had to judge His people. In verse 21, He says, But I had concern for my holy name, which a house of Israel had profaned among the nations to which they came. I think what's going on, at least for the nation of Israel, is they didn't really believe God. They didn't really believe him. They had their own way of doing things. You know, they they were punching the religious card. The religious card was bring your sacrifices, come spend the time, enjoy the holy days, and and the time that you can spend together. It's just a thing we do. But there was no relationship. There was no pursuit of God. There was no honoring of God. There was no reality of anything. It was just empty sacrifice. That's why God says. I would rather you knew me than you brought me sacrifices. I would rather that you loved me than than you kept my holy days. It's relational. They profaned his holy name because it was not relational. I believe who you are, God, and I call upon you. For you are able to do Abundantly above all I can ask 
or imagine. You are God. You are able. I call on your name. So we see as we look at the position of God as our Father. And the idea that His name should be set apart, sanctified. The third thing we see in this verse is this. He has a plan. What's His plan? Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Man, we want God's kingdom on earth. We, we, if we don't, we ought to want God's kingdom on earth. Because that's the only time this place is going to get square. We are so far out of square. Do you notice we are out of square? We're sideways, upside down, and backwards. We, don't, we have no idea what we're doing. We are floundering around in the dark and failing miserably to accomplish the things that we need to accomplish. Why? Because God is not the Lord. We are. And we're doing a bang-up job so far. We got it all put together. We have all the answers. There is no God, 1933 Humanist Manifesto. There is no God. We must save ourselves. And we've been trying to save ourselves since 1933. And in 2018, we're as close to the brink of, of, I don't even know what you want to call it, the zombie apocalypse as you can be. <laughs> right? I don't know, man. It's, it is, it is, we are out of shape. We need His plan. What is His plan? We pray. What do we pray? Your kingdom come. Your kingdom. You know, people disagree with me all the time. And you are welcome to be wrong anytime you want. <laughs> but one of the things that I am a strong believer in is that in order for us to have proper leadership, that leadership needs to be godly. Period. Because even if godly leadership is sideways, we can pray for repentance. When we look at the nation of Israel, how do we know the nation of Israel was doing well? How do we know a good king from a bad king? What does the Bible say? He walked in the ways of the Lord. He walked in the ways of the Lord. So when I pray for our nation, I pray your kingdom come. I want King Jesus. And if I can't have him in person, then I want him ruling and reigning in the hearts of those in government. And I want to pray for... Now, we have people in place. There are people filling positions. So I can squawk and complain and carry a picket sign all I want, but God's Word tells me to pray for them. So if they don't know Him, I need to pray they do know Him. Or they come to know Him. Or that in the knowledge of Him, they change and become the men or women God wants them to be so that they can lead us where we need to go. Jesus said, here's how we start the prayer. We know who God is. He's my Father. We know that His name is to be sanctified, set apart, and we want to pursue a relationship through that name. And then we want His way, not mine. That's a big deal for us when we come to prayer. Because there's a lot of folks out there that will teach you, if you want what you want, just keep making a bunch of noise about it, and God will give it to you. So, well, let me tell you how my dad did that. 
I come to my dad and I said, Dad, I, I want this 1970 Ford Maverick. Anybody remember Ford Mavericks? Dad, I want this is the only thing I ever want in my life. Dad, I gotta have this. It, the guy was selling it for 400 bucks because it had been wrecked. The front end was all smashed, but I had 400 bucks. Dad, I gotta have this 1970 Ford Maverick. And Dad said, Son, don't waste your money on that. Dad, I. I want the 1970 Ford Maverick. Son, don't waste your money on that. But Dad, I want the 1970 Ford Maverick. Fine. Go get it. I moved that pile of junk car to three different houses before I ever got that thing to work. I decided that my father was teaching me a lesson about not listening to the love of my father when he said, what? No. No. Do we want God's way or our way? Garth Brooks made a bunch of money on a song about it, right? Sometimes I thank God for what? Oh, there's no Garth Brooks fans in here? This is Idaho. <laughs> Unanswered prayers. Oh, Lord, I need this woman or I need this man. Oh, Lord, this is the one. This is the one. And sometimes I thank God for... Do you want God's kingdom? When we come to prayer, these are the things. Do you understand that God's your Father? And so that's the relationship that we need to see prayer in, okay? We need to see prayer in the confines, the context, the construct of a relationship between a father and a son. Or a father and his daughter. We recognize it that way. Do we recognize that God's name is to be set apart and that it's about His kingdom, not Jackie's? Do we understand that God's central? That's going to help us a lot as we come to the Lord in prayer. So next, after he, after he introduces us to who God is, he tells us, here's the request that we bring. Look at the next verse. Uh, verse 3 and 4. All plural. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation so there's three things here that he's calling us to ask for when we come to the lord in prayer the first thing is ask god for our basic needs ask him for our basic needs give us this day our what kind of bread daily give us what we need for today give us what we need in proverbs chapter 30 verse 7 I want you guys to see this as the heart of wisdom. In the book of Proverbs, we're given this, this, this uh, beautiful understanding that wisdom is a person who is ultimately embodied by Jesus Christ. And we want to follow wisdom on the path of life, right? Where wisdom leads. Listen to what it says. Proverbs 30, verse 7. Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. One, make me not a liar. Two, 
Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Or give me my daily bread. Hey, Father, I trust you. So you give me today what I need. That's what praying for your daily bread looks like. I trust you. You give me what I need. How many of us growing up had an experience with a mentor or father figure, or maybe our father, who gave us something that was unpleasant, but happened to be what we needed? Yeah? Give us what is needful for me, lest I be full, he says, and deny you, and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane The name of God. Don't give me too much or too little. God, just teach me to walk with you in the now with the things I need. So, God's word being true, when I come to this scripture and I recognize that what God says is He'll give me what I need, then if He doesn't give it to me, what does that mean? Well, it's crazy how you guys all understand that, huh? If He didn't give it, then I don't need it. I'm pretty sure. I need this. Lord, go back to the first verse. His kingdom come. His kingdom. His way. His kingdom. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 10, here's one of the things, one of the pitfalls we can fall into. And I think Deuteronomy chapter 8, 10 to 17, could be spoken over the United States of America right now. Look what he says. The Lord speaking, verse 10, And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. You're going to eat and be full. Most of us are full, right? Unless we're on a diet. Most of us are full. What are we supposed to do when we're full? Thank God for what? The good land He's given us. Look what the scripture says. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments and His rules and His statutes, which I command you today. So I want you to get, because that language flips in our mind so religiously, I I want you to understand, when He says, keep it, He's saying, (coughs) treasure the things that I've given you. Treasure this word, the word for commandments, statutes, The things that I have commanded you are all synonymous with the word, word. Treasuring the word God's given us. You treasure what God says. Does what God says matter to you? Let's not go through the list of the Ten Commandments and say, did I do this, did I do this, did I... My question is, do you treasure it? What's the first commandment? The first and greatest commandment, what is it? That you would love the Lord your God with how much? All your heart. God said in Hosea, He wants your what kind of love? Faithful love, right? So if I love God, then when He asks me to do things, they matter to me, right? They matter to me. So it's what He's saying. He says in verse 12, Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, hmm, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and 
All that you have is multiplied. Then your heart would be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground (coughs) where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna from your fathers, uh, or that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do what is good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, My power and might, the might of my hand, have gotten me this wealth. What's he saying? Man, be careful. Because the more you get, the more you start to sound like Nebuchadnezzar. And you span your hands over your fields and you say, Look at the kingdom which I have built. Look at my kingdom. Look at what all I have done. What did the Lord say? Hey, eat and be full. There's nothing wrong with it. Thank God for the land He's given you. Not forget God and start to praise yourself for what you have. Don't you think that's where we are as a nation? I mean, we're pretty blessed, no? All you Take a trip with me to, to, to Nigeria. You'll say, wow. Come to Malawi. Enjoy one of those times where you can go out and, and pour out the gospel to those who so desperately need it. And you realize, wow, there's a whole lot of people living for their daily bread. Might be in better shape than we who have an abundance. No? We want to say, give us this day our daily bread. Keep me in the provision for the basics of my life. That I recognize what you give me is what you've allowed me to have. That it's all yours. It's all His. It's not yours. It's all God's. He gave it to you. So be thankful. Enjoy it. You don't got to go, oh, it's not really mine. Right? We get caught up. We don't know how to act, right? When we get good things. Do you? When you get nice things, you know how to act. Do we, we, if we go buy a new car, do we get all shy when we come to, to church? Oh, I got to park it in the back. So nobody sees I got a new car. Because I don't know what to do. What did the Bible say? If God blesses you, do what? Thank God. Praise the Lord. Don't be all worried about it. Don't, don't get some super hyper spiritual deal in it. Just say, man, thank you, Lord. Why we're on the subject, I got a new Harley. <laughs> so before all y'all come up to me and say, man, it must be nice, let me tell you, you can have one too. All you have to do is sit down with a guy and sign a line. And in seven years, it'll be all yours. <laughs> if you don't want it, don't say, must be nice. Then don't get one. We celebrate the good things God gives us, right? God give, You know, the Bible says that God gives us the desires of our heart. He puts those desires there, right? He says, when we delight in His Word, when we delight in knowing Him, when we're walking with Him, when we're spending time with Him, when we're seeking Him, just like our fathers, sometimes God blesses us. Yeah? Blesses me a lot. And I'm thankful. Thank you, Lord. That's cool. I like it. 
Blessing is better than whoopings. No? I, I like the blessing. I've had the whoopings too. So we, we want to recognize. We want what God can give us. Our daily bread. The second thing he prays for is the pardon for our sins, right? What does he say? Asking God to forgive us with the same measure we use, right? Remember he talked about that before? When he talked about us loving our enemies and, 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 and all those difficult relationships, what did he say? He said, uh, with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So the idea is, not that, look, God's going to forgive you. The idea is that that's the way I want to reflect God. I want to forgive the way God forgave me. You guys tracking with me? Not, the flip side may not be true. Oh, I'm, I'm withholding forgiveness. God's not going to forgive me. But the idea here in Luke, what Luke is saying is, hey, I want to reflect the heart of God. So forgive me, God, and I'm going to forgive others. Forgive me, and I'm going to forgive others. I want this to be the way my life flows. Why? Because in that same part of Luke, Luke chapter 6, it says, with the same measure you give, it will be measured back to you. What does he say? Be merciful as God is merciful. That's, I want that reflection coming through me. So he says, when we pray... This is my father. I'm talking to my father. I go to my father. I recognize I want to set apart his name for he's holy and just and good. I want to pursue this relationship with him and I want his way. So I pray for my daily bread and I pray that he forgives me and that my life reflects his forgiveness. My life reflects his forgiveness. How does it do that? When I forgive others, their debts, right? What I'm holding against them. When I forgive, I'm reflecting who God is. I'm reflecting what He's about. And then what does He tell us? The next part of the prayer? Lead us not into temptation. Lead us not. You know, the, it's kind of amazing to me when we think about so many of the pictures that come together. Remember I told you Proverbs is a story about finding wisdom which leads to the path of life and wisdom is personified by Jesus Christ and so Jesus said come and follow me and we follow him and we're on the path of life and then Jesus said there's like two paths right he said there's a narrow way that leads to life and a broad way that leads to destruction right and he said Many there are who find that way, but few there are who find this way. And that's the way that we find when we follow Jesus. Are we following wisdom? Are we following Him? And then we come to this prayer and He says, Well, Lord, as I'm following You, don't lead me into testing. That's the word. Don't lead me into testing. Anybody like to be led to testing? Now, I'm pretty sure Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not wake up one morning and say, God, today I want to learn that you're with me in the fire. Do you think that's what they prayed? Now, I think because they pursued a relationship with God, they're ready when the fire comes. Yeah? But what does he say? Pray, Lord, don't lead me into testing. Don't lead me into testing. This is what that line says. I'm not filled 
with pride that I can face the trial alone. When I, when I think about this line, lead me not into temptation, lead me not into that place of testing, what, what I hear in that prayer that Jesus is teaching the disciples to pray is, I need you. I don't want to find myself, yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? We, we started and we know we're coming through it. I want to be with you. I need you because I can't do it on my own. I need you. I need you, God. I need you. Don't, don't lead me into that place of testing. I know I need your divine care. I need you. Nobody ever prays for the time of testing. Abraham, we don't see anywhere in Scripture where Abraham said, Lord, I just pray, soon you'll have me go sacrifice my son. Right? No. What did he do? He pursued a relationship with God. God brought him through the time when it was time. It's as though there's this question and asking, pray that God would give you the favor of being excused from any further testing, acknowledging that I don't have some kind of heroic faith. I need you, God. I need you. In Matthew it says, lead us not into temptation, but do what? Deliver us from the evil one. Don't lead us into temptation. Don't lead us into the time of testing. But, but is a word of strong contrast. It's not comparison. But, deliver us from the evil one. What's the evil one want to do? Wants to get you out, right? So deliver us from the evil one. Don't let me be taken out by him. Help me to walk with you. Help me to trust in you. Help me to follow you wherever you lead me, wherever you take me, God, that, that I'm, I'm with you, but I, I'm not looking for testing because someone who is, is about to find out how God gets rid of pride. You know what the proverb says about pride? That it comes right before what? <laughs> And a haughty spirit before destruction. Man, I don't want to... It's one of seven things God hates. I don't want to be in that place that's something that God hates. So I want to say, man, I want, I want to be right where God wants me to be. So when we pray, we're praying for our daily bread. We're praying for the forgiveness of our sins. And we're praying that God's going to carry us through. You carry me through. God, I need you. You carry me. I don't want to go into testing, but I'm with you. I don't want to, I don't want to be overcome by the evil one. I'm with you. Amen. I'm with you. I'm following you, God. Where you lead me, what, I will go. That's why I love that song, So Will I. That song, I can't even sing it yet. We've been singing it, I don't even know, I'm three weeks, and I'm a big blubbering knucklehead. Every time it comes up, I get like two verses, and then I cry through the rest of it. So just so you know, we're going to sing it till I can sing the whole cotton picking song. I want to sing a song. <laughs> I, but, I, but the whole concept, right? That, that I, I want to go where you send me. I want to be who you want me to be. I want to follow you wherever you go. 
if all of creation hears your voice and obeys, then that's what I want to do. That's who I want to be. That's where I want to go. So then immediately he moves in to a parable on prayer. And I don't want us to misunderstand the parable. Look what it says. He said to them, Which of you has a friend who will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. So we have some uh, 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 comparison and contrast, right? God is our Father, not our friend. But in this story... Typically, just because of the, the, the laws of generosity in their time, it, it was bad on the village if your neighbor didn't have what he needed to take care of someone who was visiting him. So everyone would have said, if, when they listened to this parable, oh my gosh, what kind of guy wouldn't help his neighbor like that? What kind of guy? Look what it says. Friend, let me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And, he will say from within, do not bother me. The door shut. It's midnight. My children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. It's not really on my time. That's the kind of thing we would say when somebody asks us for help, right? We probably have, no? Come on. Your friend ever called you at a time that it was not very workable in the middle of the, the final three minutes of the Super Bowl? Oh my, my car's broke down, I got a flat tire. Oh bro, that's rugged. <laughs> Nobody? That's not, you, you guys have never been there? Somebody called you at an inopportune time and you're like, oh yeah, friend, how, lose my phone number. Yeah, we've all had this kind of an attitude. What is, what is it that Jesus is comparing in this parable? This is how we treat each other. It's not how God treats us. He's going to make that abundantly clear in the next section, no? He says, do not bother me. The door shut. My kids are asleep. I can't get up and give you anything. But I tell you, eventually he's going to go, right? Eventually I'm going to come help you with your tire. Eventually <clears throat> we're going to get this thing done. I tell you, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. It's not because there's a friend, because he's bugging me. He keeps bugging me, so I'm going to get up and give him everything he needs. It's a parable of contrast. What is it contrasting? The attitudes that we have toward one another is not the same attitude God has for us. When you ask God something, you're not bugging him. It's not an inopportune time. He's not busy doing something else. That's the point of the, the point of the parable is not keep asking for the same thing. We kind of showed how that wouldn't make sense, right? Keep, keep asking after God says no. Be careful. There's Bible stories where that happened, right? You guys ever heard of Balaam and his donkey? Yeah, three times God said, Balaam, don't go. Balaam, don't go. Balaam, don't go. And three times Balaam said, Lord, I, I really want to go. I really want to go. I really want to go. So God said, go. What happened to Balaam? He died in the camp of the enemy. Because he wouldn't listen to God. God let him go. We don't want that. What we want to understand in this parable is, God's not like our friend who can be bothered because we're, we're coming to him at a wrong time. You ever felt that way? 
You ever felt like, I, I remember distinctly sitting outside of a Little League game when my son's playing Little League, and Little League was horrific. You guys know what Little League is? <clears throat> they got that in Idaho, don't they? So, Little League, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, and you know, the, the only good way to do Little League is if you, you want to coach or want to be a part of it, and I was all upset about how things were going on, and my dad was with me, and my dad's like, what are you so upset about? And I said, ah, this is just dumb. He said, well, have you prayed about it? I said, Dad, it's Little League. You do not bother the God of the universe with Little League. And he said to me, do you as a father care about it? And I said, yeah. And what makes you think God cares less than you do? And I thought, wow, that's such a good way to understand it. Because that's what we do. That's why we excuse ourselves from prayer. Well, I don't want to bother God with this. I'll take care of it. That's Deuteronomy, guys. That's us saying, we don't need you, God. What God is telling us, what Jesus is saying through this parable, is not just ask over and over and over again for the same thing, but don't be afraid that when you come to God, He's going to not want to hear it. He's going to be bothered. He's going to be put out. God, throughout Scripture, says, I want to hear from you. Talk to me. Talk to me. I love the psalmist because the psalmist, even, it doesn't matter if he's in the depths of despair or the heights of his emotion, he talks to God, right? He talks to God in both of them. He's never disrespectful of God. That's not okay. Remember when we pray to remember who God is, right? Sanctify his name. But he's not afraid to come before the Lord when he's in the depths of despair and lay out how he feels. God, I feel abandoned. God, I, in fact, <laughs> the, the amazing thing is, God's going to work through the psalmist to put the same words that come out of Jesus' mouth in the psalmist's mouth. My God, my God, why have you... God, it's Psalm 22. My God, my God... To be able to express yourself to God and to know that God's not going to be upset. That God wants you to come. It's not like a friend at midnight who's bothered. God is like, man, I've been waiting all day. I've been waiting all night. I can't wait to talk to you. That's the kind of friend we ought to want to talk to, yes? One of the things I can always count on, I hope my boys can always count on, they call me anytime. I'm always happy to talk to my boys. Because dads, we worry about them, don't we? It don't matter how old they are. One day my son will be 40. Maybe even 50. If he's smart. But as he, as he grows and as he goes, I long to hear from him. I want to hear. My father in heaven's not less than that. He's more. He wants to hear. He wants us to call upon His name. Then look at the promise of prayer. I tell you, ask. What's He saying? Ask. Come on. Talk to me. 
Ask and it will be given to you. What's going to be given? You're going to get your answer. Does the Bible say you get everything you ask for? No, it doesn't. It says if you don't get what you ask for, you're asking for something you don't. Thank you. (laughs) James talks about it. We just went through the book of James. We should be familiar with it. Ask in prayer. Consistency, he's saying. I tell you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will. Knock and it will be. What is that? What is that language of? Pursuit. Jesus is saying, God wants you to pursue him. Ask him. Seek him. Knock on the door and he'll open it. Because God wants to see you. Not like the neighbor who you're bugging at midnight. God wants to hear from you. God wants you. For everyone who asks, receives audience with the king. Everyone who seeks, finds audience with the king. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. An audience with the king. That's what we're talking about, right? This is prayer. Coming before God, coming in His presence, we come before the Lord. We want to come. We want to recognize that God wants that. That's what He's telling us. Then He goes on to build the idea more. Look at the next verse. So what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him, uh, instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Making the comparison. Which one of you, if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? So in verse 13, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much will your Father in heaven give? What's it say? Holy Spirit. Wait a minute, I was praying for a fish. Wasn't I? I was praying for an egg. What did God give me? What I needed. What do I need? I need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit to guide me, lead me, teach me, show me where to walk. Man, I need the Holy Spirit. Is God going to withhold that? No, He says, if you want the Holy Spirit, what do you do? Ask. Ask. Don't be filled with pride and sit back and say, I don't want to bug you, God. I don't want to, I don't want to be the neighbor who pesters me. You know, I... I, 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 don't want to, I don't want to have that kind of relationship. God says, that's what I want from you. Pursue me. Seek me. Knock on my door. I'm not upset. Come and find me. Talk to me. Because what does He want? He wants your faithful love. And He wants you to know Him. That's not religion. That's relationship. He wants you to know Him. How do we know Him? We pray. We pray. Talk to God. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy whispering in your ear saying, Oh, don't, don't bother God with this. Don't bother God with this. Don't listen to those lies or lies from the pit. Don't listen to that. God says, I want you to seek me. Know me. Find me. He told the nation of Israel the exact same thing when they were going into captivity. He said, guys... You're going into captivity. And I know the thoughts that I have towards you. Thoughts of good and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. So seek me. And you will find me. 
But seek me with how much? Seek me with all your heart. We all, that's the kind of relationship we all want, right? You don't want just a, a, a little bit of God, you want them all, don't you? You don't just want a, a little sliver of your husband or wife, you want it all. We want faithfulness. So Jesus is telling his disciples, Lord, teach us how to pray. He says, this is what you do. Know the relationship with God. He's your father. Set his name apart. Honor him and know that it's his way. It's his kingdom. And, and pray for your daily provision. And pray for the forgiveness of sins. Pray that you would be able to forgive others in the same way. And ask God to lead you through this day. And pray that it's not in the testing. Pray all these things and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because if my people will humble themselves and pray. If they will repent. Turn from their wicked ways. I will hear their cry from heaven. And do what? And heal their land. It all goes back to the first part. If my people pray. Amen? Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Father God, we lift this time to you. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to study your word. God, I... I pray that, uh, that, that we're able to comprehend and make sense of the, the craziness that I utter, God, that you wash away all that doesn't matter, but you would help us to retain that which needs to stick. God, help us hold fast to your word, for your word is truth. You are truth. God, I pray that as we put our, our hearts and minds into your hand, God, that you indeed... Teach us to pray. And we'll give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to give you an opportunity to practice what we preach. Up front today, there's going to be a lot of people up here available for prayer. The reason they're here is to pray with you. Just to pray with you as you seek God, as you seek His face. I want to encourage you to don't be afraid to utilize the opportunity. Whatever things are going on in your heart, whatever things are happening in your life, that's why they're here, to pray with you. If my people will pray. Amen?